Baseball's regular season commenced last week, and every year at this time, I think about my days in Little League when my teammates and I dreamed of playing in the World Series, and all we thought about when we were up at bat was trying to hit home runs, despite our coaches pleading with us to just make contact with the ball and try to get on base. As I got a little older, I finally started listening to my coaches and became a student of the game. I learned something important about baseball, which very much applies to business. Baseball is a game of singles. At the risk of oversimplifying it, baseball is all about generating runs, and to generate runs, you need to get people on base any way you can. Getting to first base is the easiest, so focus on that. If someone ends up with a double, that's a nice plus. A triple's even more wonderful, and of course a home run is fantastic and exciting. But not everybody can hit a home run regularly, and if you rely solely on home runs, you'll most likely lose more games than you win. To me, business is kind of the same. If you focus on hitting only home runs, you're relying only on a few select people to generate those wins, and to some degree, sending a message to the rest of the team that they don't need to improve. I say, why not harness the power of everyone available to make more singles, which should generate more runs and therefore more wins? This is where I switch into my continuous improvement mindset. Anyone who's taken a class with me or spent a little time with me has heard me talk about continuous improvement. I'm a true believer that your time is better spent trying to make 1,000 things 1% better instead of trying to make one thing 1,000% better. In keeping with my baseball analogy, don't focus on home runs. Focus on singles. One of my favorite tools in my toolkit to help myself and those around me continuously improve in everything we do is the After Action Review, or AAR. I like the After Action Review because when done correctly, you get input from everyone involved and identify ways to improve in the future, which leads to stronger trust among team members, higher levels of motivation, and better communication and performance. Things that as leaders, we all want. Before walking through the components of an after-action review, I'd like to share that this is a flexible tool and can be used on large implementations, small projects, and even routine tasks that your team does on a regular basis. It doesn't always have to take a long time. For repetitive tasks, these can only take a few minutes. For larger, more complex initiatives or implementations, your after-action review will take longer and it will also be worth the effort. The first step is to determine when to have the meeting. If the AAR is for something that takes place regularly, maybe the best time to do the review is right after that thing takes place. For example, I have a friend who's a surgical nurse in the military, and after every procedure they complete, the team meets immediately afterwards to walk through the AAR process. They've gotten so good at it, it only takes a matter of minutes and has been seamlessly integrated into how they do what they do. If the AAR is for a larger project or initiative, then think about scheduling a time and location that is good for all of the stakeholders and allow enough time to work through the agenda. Your second step is to send out the agenda items, ground rules, and pre-meeting expectations for preparation. The larger the initiative, the more prep people will need to do, which typically involves thinking about what happened and coming prepared to discuss. Hopefully that shouldn't take a long time, but you want to make sure everybody's ready and has a chance to share their observations when you meet as a group. When the meeting begins, start by reviewing the ground rules and expected outcomes for your time together. Remind everyone that the purpose of an AAR is to look for ways to improve. It's not to judge success or failure, or a way to look for or place blame on anyone or anything. The group should be solely focused on recounting the tasks and goals that were to be accomplished, 
attempt to discover why things happened, good and bad, expected and unexpected, and encourage the group to surface lessons to help improve in the future. As a leader, you'll need to enforce the ground rules and make this a safe environment for everyone involved. Failure to create a safe environment can lead to an unproductive session, wasting everyone's time, and possibly even demotivating people on the team. Once everyone understands the end game, you can begin the discussion. Start by reviewing the initial objective. Discuss what did we plan to do and what were our intended results. Be as specific as possible. List out tasks, timelines, measures of success. Use a flip chart or whiteboard to capture everything so the whole group can see it. On longer term initiatives, this will serve as a way to refresh everyone's memory and set up the next part of the discussion. After you've captured the initial objective, move to reality. What really happened? Why were certain actions taken? And what was the reaction to those actions taken? This is where you'll need everybody's thoughts and observations. If you're facilitating, make sure everybody shares their view of what happened. You'll also need to be careful to watch out for emotion getting injected into the conversation, which can lead to blame or attacks. Stick to the facts and stop any instance of finger pointing or blaming immediately. Remember the purpose is to find ways to improve, even if only 1%, not judge others. Now that you have the initial objective and what happened, you can move to brainstorming a list of what the team has learned. Said another way, the question you should ask is what caused our results? Capture the good results and the expected results in addition to the not so good results and unexpected results. Look to preserve the safe environment for discussion. You won't be able to eliminate emotion fully because we're all human, so just keep an eye out for it and refocus the conversation and participants as needed. It's possible you might uncover that you don't know what caused your results. You may need to schedule a separate meeting to do some root cause analysis. There are some tools for, to use for that, which I won't go into right now, but feel free to reach out to me for information if you're interested. At this point in the meeting, the discussion starts to become forward-looking. Ask these two questions. What went well that we want to keep doing or improve? What can we do better next time? Brainstorm alternative courses of action. I like framing the discussion in terms of the trade-off triangle. Ask the group to think about ways to save time, money, or increase the quality on the next go-around. The final part of your discussion is to ask what are some upcoming opportunities in which we can apply what we've learned. All this discussion and review is great, but you need a way to hold yourselves accountable and put these new ideas for improvement to work. So think about how you can do that and plan for it. Before concluding the meeting, be sure to thank everyone for their attendance, attention, and participation. If this is the first few times you're leading an AAR, it's a great time to ask for feedback on how to make these meetings even better in the future. If you do a Google search on after-action reviews, you'll find a ton of resources and sample agendas. The agenda I've described is the one I've settled on after years of experimentation. It is my hope that you use this and adjust to fit the needs of your team and yourself. For more information on working more collaboratively, continuous improvement, or leading teams, please reach out to me at Lubar Executive Programs. Thank you for listening. Best of luck as you move forward on your leadership journey. Please check back regularly for additional episodes.